I first met today's guest at approximately 8 p.m. on July 21st. 2019. Najee Ali was introduced as my observer for my Lake Tahoe crossing. He was quiet and reserved during the safety briefing. As the night wore on, I was slogging. I started to doze off while I was swimming, slipping in and out of hallucinations, but on each and every feed I could count on Najee asking me how I was doing. A seemingly simple act and part of an observer's job but there was a certain calm and reassurance in his voice that soothed me and made the crossing easier. As these things go, I was exhausted and relieved when the swim ended, and I doubt that I sufficiently expressed my gratitude. We shook hands and went our separate ways. Fast forward a year, and I finally get to hear Najee's story. A late-onset swimmer, Najee was 43 when he learned to swim, and wants nothing to do with pool swimming. Out there, he says, referring to the Pacific Ocean as the place that he wants to practice what he preaches as a total immersion swim coach. Najee strives to raise awareness of the rich history of black swimmers, and while he would prefer to be just another number when swimming around islands and across channels, He'll settle for blazing the path for future African-American marathon swimmers, being the first in most of his pursuits, along with Charles Chapman, Mina Rodin, and Alice Deering, to name a few. I hope you enjoy this episode. Najee, what's your story? Tell me your story. How did you get into swimming? Gosh, well, um, how I got into swimming in general, um, uh, when I was 13, I got hired as, um, there was this, um, I'll back up for a second, there was this program for inner city youth in San Diego where I grew up um, that they could find jobs over the summer, um, you know, to keep them out of trouble and, and all the rest of these things. And so I kind of dithered around for most of the summer. And my mom said, look, you're 13 years old. You know, I'm raising you and your sister alone. I need help. Go out there and get a job. And so she says, you can sign up with this Reggie program. I forget what the acronym stands for. And I said, I don't want to do that. And she says, well, you're going to do it anyway. So I ended up going down to the place. And I thought maybe I'd get a cool job like a janitor or mowing lawns and stuff like that. You know, it's sad back in the 70s. That's what I figured a cool job was. And none of those jobs were available. The only job that was left was working as an assistant to a marine biologist. Wow. And my mom said, you're taking that job. I was like, well, I don't want to do that. It's stupid. I don't want to you know, <laughs> go out to La Jolla, you know? And she says, no, too bad. You're going to do it. So, you know, I begrudgingly took the job and I had to get on this bus every day to go out roughly about 45 minutes to an hour from my house, which was in the inner city of uh, San Diego in a place called Linda Vista. And um, I'd arrive in, you know, La Jolla at Scripps Institute. And I met this man. He was a wonderful marine biologist, really great. He taught me so much about aquatic life and really made things come alive, you know, taught me about seals, taught me about sharks, taught me about squid, um, you know, dissecting things and, 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 and seeing how they function, how, you know, um, why dolphins were, you know, 80% of their motion was going forward as opposed to us, which is only 3% going forward. 
all these different things. And it was an exciting, exciting job. Plus the fact that I was right near the ocean, which I did love, but you know, um, and over time I really enjoyed it. So one day the, um, the marine biologist said, hey, listen, uh, would you like to go on a boat trip? We're gonna go out 20 miles out offshore and try and catch albacore or tuna um, to bring back in captivity. At that time it had never been done before. And I thought, yeah, sure, you know, I love boats and stuff. So we got on a boat and we went out and it was a picture perfect day. It was nice and sunny. It was really, really hot as well. Even 20 miles out, it was really hot, no wind. Um, and so it was absolutely glassy, perfect conditions. And so they caught a couple of albacore, they put them in these tanks that they had specially made. And we were, I guess, having some lunch on the boat, you know, it all brought our bag lunches. And one of the crew that was working on there says, well, I'm gonna go for a swim. So he strips down to his swim trunks, which he had on underneath his pants, and he just jumps off the boat. And I run over to the railing and I'm watching him. He's doing, you know, the crawl, he's doing backstroke, he's doing breast, he's doing a little butterfly. He's out there for about, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes or so, just swimming around near the boat. And he comes back and he climbs up onto the boat. And, you know, he's toweling off. And I run up to him and said, oh, wow, that was really cool. I said, I'm wondering if you could uh, teach me how to do that. And the guy put his hand on my shoulder and he laughs. He says, oh, kid, black people don't swim. And everybody on the boat laughed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Nervousness and out of embarrassment, I started laughing. And I just kind of wandered off. And for the next, I believe it was 27 years, I never brought up the thought of trying to learn how to swim. Oh my gosh. And fast forward to 2008, I'm watching, you know, the Olympics, um, the second night that Phelps is trying to, you know, do this remarkable record that he ended up pulling off. And they had the men's four, um, you know, four by 100 meter relay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all remember how Jason Lees that came from behind and beat Elaine Bernard, you know, to um, beat him at, you know, the wall to set not only a new world record, but also to give Phelps his, his second gold medal. And as great as all that was, what fascinated me most was the third leg, obviously, of that swim when Cullen Jones Cullen jumped. Jones, yeah. And I'd never, you know, seen anybody from the Olympics who was, you know, black or at least of African descent swimming. And I'm just like fascinated. I'm just like literally glued to the set, you know, watching this and watching this. And right after that race, I decided, okay, this is it. I've always wanted to learn how to swim. I am determined to swim. I'm going to go ahead and figure out how to do this. So. You know, I just went online and asked, you know, for swimming lessons. And there was this guy who was over in the East Bay here in um, the Bay Area who taught swim lessons. So I went over to him and he was a very nice man. He taught me all the rudimentary skills of just like, you know, pulling and kicking and all the rest of the stuff. And, um, you know, as nice as he was, just didn't seem to connect with me. So I mm -hmm. went to another person and she mostly taught adults who were afraid of water. Now, I don't have a fear of water, but, you know, I figured, well, maybe this will be a better place to start. And so I went to her and it was kind of the same drill as it was with the other guy. And finally, after an hour of her instruction, she said, you know, I think you'd be better off working with this organization that teaches adults specifically called Total Immersion. And I said, Total Immersion, what's that? So she says, you should Google it. So I did. And I got this book that was written by Terry Laughlin and I started reading it and it just resonated with me so well. And as luck would have it, there was going to be a workshop that was going to happen at San Francisco State University. It's being led by Total Immersion. So I signed up for that. 
Um, ironically, Terry Laughlin's daughter, Fiona, who's a very dear friend of mine, was the one who was leading the workshop. And she was the one who literally taught me how to swim. And on the second day, it's a two-day workshop. She said, so are you going to go back to the pool and practice? I said, yeah, I am going to go back to the pool. I said, but that's not my ultimate goal. I don't want to just be in the pool. She says, oh, you want to compete masters or all the rest of the stuff? I said, nah, I don't have any interest in that nonsense. I don't like the pool, to be honest with you. You know, she says, what do you want to do? I said, and I just pointed outside. I says, I want to swim out there. That's the only reason why I wanted to ever learn how to swim was to swim out in open water. I love to be out there. And she says, oh, that's great. You know, I says, I don't know how that's going to happen, but it will happen. And as luck would happen, I found a woman in San Francisco who was uh, teaching open water classes, Leslie Thomas. And she taught them down at Aquatic Park. And I was going there and for the first couple of times I was wearing a wetsuit and I didn't like it. It was too, you know, uncomfortable. It was just too, you know, pull, you know, getting on. Felt like you were trying to like, you know, slip into the skin of a seal. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just didn't like how it felt. And so I went back to my soup kitchen where I worked and one of the guests who eats there on a regular basis says, well, how's the open water swimming going? I said, eh, I'm kind of frustrated. I don't like these stupid wetsuits and all the rest of the stuff. I just, it's just not me. And a woman who was sitting next to him perked up her ears and she says, oh, you like swimming in open water? I says, yeah, I do. And she says, well, I love swimming in open water too. You know, and a matter of fact, I'm a, with a club that swims in open water all the time. I said, oh, really, what is it? And she says, it's South Bend Rowing Club. And I said, South Bend Rowing Club, what the heck is that? And she says, well, why don't you just come down and, and, and be my guest and you can check it out. And I said, okay, sure. So she said, you know, just, just bring your regular swim trunks and stuff and I'll get you in the water. And it happened to be on a Memorial Day when I was going to go down there. It was a really hot Memorial Day here in San Francisco. It was like 95. And that's rare when it's 95 degrees in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. oh, well, if it's 95 and the air temperature, it's going to be like 80 in the water. So I start going in. And all of a sudden, with inside of like five seconds, it felt like my feet are on fire. And all of a sudden, it felt like my shins were in severe pain. My knees felt like they had just been kneecapped. And I literally dropped to my knees in the water. I said, oh, Lord. Oh, no. What have I done? Oh, gosh. This is torture. Oh, man. I can't take this. And all the while, Susan's saying, just breathe. Just breathe. I am breathing. I am breathing. And I'm hyperventilating. And finally, I kind of regulate my breath enough. And I get up off of my knees. And I keep going forward, luckily, to my surprise. And I reached to roughly about my chest and then I kind of pushed off and it's still feeling very cold. I stuck my face in, then it felt like that was like, you know, turning into a popsicle. <laughs> I swam back from the South End, Dolphin, or South End Dock to the Dolphin Dock, back and forth like four or five times. Oh, the heck with this, I'm out. And so I got out immediately, ran up, got into the shower, got into the sauna. But as luck would have it, um, two days later, I was supposed to go back to be with the open water group that I was swimming with when I had the wetsuit on. This time I decided not to bring the wetsuit. I just said, let's just try it again. Maybe it'll be a little bit better. And at least I had an idea of what I was about to get into when I walked in. And, you know, it still took me a little while to get in, but I hung out there for like 35 minutes. And I was very impressed. And over time, it got to be more got to be more and it got to be more and I felt wow this is great I am never ever ever going to wear another wetsuit to swim ever again and that's been 12 years ago and I never have gone back to swimming in a wetsuit and I absolutely adore open water nice nice do you swim open water all year usually pretty much year round um that first year um when I did it I joined a club 
I think a few months after I had met Susan Petro, who's also a marathon swimmer and a lovely woman. And um, yeah, they, um, people that I met there said, just keep swimming. Do not stop. He says, a lot of people take time off in the winter. Don't do that. It's that it's going to get cold, but your body's already acclimated. You'll be fine. You can't swim as long as you do now, but you can keep going. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in general, I tend to swim year round in the water. Awesome. When did you start pushing distances? I started pushing distances about a year and a half after I learned to swim. I, you know, got into my head that I wanted to be the first black person to swim from this place called Point Benita, which is just at the edge of the bay where the bay and the ocean meet, and all the way to the Bay Bridge, which is a distance of roughly nine miles. And, you know, I wasn't sure why I wanted to try that. I just felt Someone's kind of tried. I don't know if anybody's ever tried that. And, you know, I talked with this legend in open water swimming here in the Bay Area, Bob Roper, and says, yeah, let's go ahead and try it. Why not, Nash? Let's go ahead and do it. So we got ready and, you know, he had trained me for it. And I jumped in. And my first attempt, I made it, I'd say, about a half a mile past the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. And um, I think just kind of my own insecurities took over and I wasn't able to complete the swim. So I was a little disappointed um, because the day was picture perfect. It was an absolute perfect day. West of the Golden Gate Bridge is rarely nice. It's normally very bumpy and rocky, but once you're inside the bay, it's pretty flat, but the entire area was flat. So I tried it again a few weeks later. And this time I actually had a friend swim with me, um, uh, my friend, Kat Philly. And she and I jumped in and it was another perfect, picture perfect day. And that time I made it. And the exhilaration that I felt after that swim, I just, I, I, I'm telling you, Shannon, I can't describe it. I was just like, you know, doing cartwheels practically the entire <laughs> way back. Just so excited, like a little kid. I said, I did it, I did it. I, I can't believe I did it. And Bob was so happy for me and the pilot was happy for me. And that's when I caught the bug. And so I would just try and go out and do longer swims and longer swims, mostly in the cove. Of, of aquatic park but also sometimes some other swims outside of it as well mm -hmm. so your first so that nine miles that was literally you just jumped straight to nine miles <laughs> i had this idiotic way of doing things when i want to learn something i start with the really hard stuff first and then i go back to the basics you know, you and other normal, sensible people do it from the basics and then work your way up. No, I was like, well, you know, it's only 10 miles. You know, why not try it? And he's like saying, well, you can do one. Nah, I'm not interested in one. Let's just, go, let's just go for 10. So I do those kinds of things. I don't know why, but my brain's just wired that way. And I don't think I can, at, at the age of 55, I can shut it off at this point. So I might as well just concede, you know, I, I kind of temper it now. But it's still pretty bad in terms of like, oh, let's just do this to the extreme. It's like, oh, my goodness, why are you doing this? You know, when I pilot in a kayak for people on marathon swims, you know, they normally have two or other, three other kayaks. I'm like, saying, oh, I can hang in here. You've been out there for 10 hours. It's oh, I'm fine, even though my back's aching. I'm like, why don't you just get out and let someone else just start, you know, paddling? You know, but my brain says, no, keep going. And somebody, she's swimming, you, you know, you paddle. Shut up and take it. And I'm just like, oh, man, I seriously need serious, serious therapy. So, it's, it's, it's just something that I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I can't explain it. It's just the way the brain's wired. I love it. No, and I think I'm trying to think who 
I feel like there's someone else who I talked to in doing these series that was, that was, that jumped straight to some big distance, you know, and a lot of us, like, you know, it would, for me, it was like, I saw one mile, but when, when I, when I, I saw the 10 milers finishing and I was like, why am I doing one? Like, that sounds really cool. But anyway, I had to get over fears of water and stuff. So anyway, we all have the things that we're working on, which is, which is awesome. Um, Cause we're working on it. We do it together. It's awesome. Um, tell me about this swim you're most proud of. One I'm most proud of was the one I didn't complete. Um, it was my first official uh, marathon swim. It was Anacapa um, from Anacapa Island back to the mainland of Oxnard. And it had been one I've been training for for a year and I um, attempted it last year. And I've been working really hard and you know, just getting up at 4 a.m., getting in the water by 4.30, um, regardless of the condition. And I know a lot of people in our open water swim community don't relish swimming in the dark. They'll do it, obviously, but they don't relish it. I absolutely love it. I'm obsessed with it. I don't care. Um, I prefer that way, way more times than swimming during the day. I don't know why. Once again, you know, brain is hired, you know, hardwired a different way. Most sensible people would go in, you know, when it's light. No, not. He jumps in the water when it's dark and he can't see anything. Um, but yeah, I um, had trained really hard for that early in the mornings before I would go to the soup kitchen. Sometimes I would do training swims for like, you know, I get there by two and start swimming and swim in the dark until about 6 a.m. And then, you know, uh, get out, shower and go to work. And, uh, you know, because I figured, you know, you've got to take this and stuff. And oftentimes when I knew it was going to be uh, windy or choppy early in the morning, I'd say, get out there and work. Yeah. You know, the old rule is and stuff. you can take a day off when it's flat and glassy you're not allowed to take it off when it's bumpy because as we always know you know you plan for the worst and hope for the best and so that's what I was doing and on the day when I was going to do my Anacapa swim which was uh, September 16th of last year 2019 it was supposed to be no wind supposed to be absolutely perfect the wind wasn't even going to kick up they said until about maybe five that afternoon and we had jumped at seven. I didn't even have to, you know, worry about the dark. Um, we had light by that time. And I jumped in and for the first couple of miles, it was very flat. And then after, I think mile number three, it started getting, it just changed. It got, it got really bumpy and it got really windy and it got really choppy. And um, I was doing everything I could to try to, you know, make it and stuff. But then for some reason, my shoulder started acting up. I'm not exactly sure why. It's never happened before. And I began to lose some confidence and I kept on saying, come on, you can, you can, I said, you just got to get through this. You got to get through this. You've got to get back into that mental state for where you can be able to do it. And I kept going. Um, we finally ended the swim, I think like three and a half hours. I had made about four miles and I'm not known for speed. So I was really impressed with the distance that I'd made, but I wasn't impressed that I still had eight more miles that I needed to have gone. Yeah. And I got back on the boat and uh, it just hit me, a wave of emotion hit me. And um, my two amazing crew um, people, uh, Amy Gupser, who's an amazing open water swimmer herself, and Kelly Preble, who's also an incredible open water swimmer, were there. And I just broke down into Kelly's arms. You know, I just started crying and, you know, I was just really, and I don't let my emotions show very often, but for some reason it just came running out. And I think the reason why is because, you know, I wanted to be an inspiration for African-American kids or other African-Americans that they could swim and that they could make these distances and that we've done these distances 
tons of times in the past, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And even during, you know, the era of, you know, the recognized marathon swim. And I was really, really just, you know, overcome. I thought I'd let everybody down who had given me money towards, you know, doing the swim. I felt that I had basically robbed them, you know, and it just all came flooding out. And um, for a long time, I didn't get back in the water because I was so despondent about that. I didn't even come by my club. I didn't answer any emails. I wouldn't take anybody's phone calls. I was just really, really despondent. And um, as devastating as that was, I love one thing that Amy and Kelly both told me when I took them out to dinner that uh, later on that night. And Amy had said, you know, when it really started going, you know, the crap after a while, she said, I don't know how you kept going for two hours. You know, she said, you never complained. You never, you know, started whining about stuff. You know, you never started throwing these hissy fits that some swimmers do. She said, you just shut your mouth and you kept going. Like, we asked you to do something, you did it. You didn't complain. You didn't try to lobby. You just kept going, you know. And that meant a lot to me coming from her and coming from Kelly, people who had gone, you know, and done some just incredible swims under incredible conditions. And, you know, at first I thought, oh, well, they're just placating me. And then I remember Kelly especially is like me. She's very blunt. She says, you know me, I don't sugarcoat anything. If I felt you could have gone on and stuff like that and you didn't, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. And she says, but I know how hard you work. I saw you every morning, you know, going down there and swimming and, you know, coming out freezing or whatever and stuff and never complaining and still coming back the next day and doing it again. And that meant a lot. So that probably made it, you know, um, the first and only so far, but, you know, probably my favorite swim ever. Just because, you know, the mere fact, you know, people said, you just, you jumped in and tried, you know, she said, you know, many people jump in there and they say that they're going to do this, that, and the other thing, and who have a lot of marathon swims underneath their belt, and then they quit inside of like an hour, you know, and she says, no, you, 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 you had never done it before, you didn't really know what to expect, you had an idea, but you didn't know, mm-hmm. and there you were going out there doing it, and, you know, it was just, it meant a lot to me for them to say that, and yeah. uh, because I can be very hard on myself. Um, you know, during training or whatever, if I don't complete the hours, if I fall a half an hour short, I'll be the one that beats up myself the most. This is why couldn't you've gone on for 30 more minutes? I don't understand. You know, it's just such and such can do it. You have to learn how to do that too. And so for me, I'm, you know, like everyone else, my worst critic, but during that day, I'm glad that they were there because that helped me kind of dissipate all that negative thought that I had in my head. Um, because as you know, you know, if, when you have those DNFs, you know, it, they're just, they're so, uh, there's such a huge letdown. And yes. all these things are going through your head, you know. You said, I put on all this time, you know. I said, so many people helped me out. And, you know, people gave me money and my time off from work and all the rest of the stuff. And, you know, you got to push all that stuff out of the way and just say, hey, listen, I did the best that I humanly could. That's all I can expect of myself. So. Yeah. Yeah, that that was probably the best one and obviously probably the worst one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've mentioned a few times about insecurities and, you know, kind of getting the better of you. Is that something that you have recommendations or thoughts or suggestions that you want to tell us about other people could take with them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're all going to have those insecurities. And I think for me now, especially understanding that yourself, you know, um, for those who don't know who are watching this podcast, I observed your, you know, length of Tahoe swim uh, last year. And I remember you getting back on a boat and saying, I had some serious dark nights of the soul when I was out there. 
And for me personally, I didn't see that because you never complained. You never said anything to myself. You never said anything to your, your crew chief, Todd, or to the um, boat captains, uh, Brian and Sylvia. Um, so I think for anybody who's going to do this, you have to understand that that's going to come. And the thing is, is that you have to figure out a mental way that you can get through it. Um, that might be meditation. That might be, I don't know, prayer, what, you know, songs, whatever it is that works for you, you have to use that. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have those tools that I could have utilized and I should have practiced those beforehand during my training. But anybody who's looking into doing a marathon swim, I would strongly suggest, and it's part of the core curricula of, of total immersion of just like mindful swimming. You know, don't worry about the 20 strokes ahead. Worry about that next one. You're not going to yep. get to the 20th one if you're not doing the first, you know, the one that, you know, right after the one you just did. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, concentrate on those small things and focus on those small little things. Um, because as we all know, it's monotonous. You know, even mm-hmm. if it is just 6.2 miles, it's a long way when yeah. you stop to think about it. That's, that's an awful long way. Um, oftentimes you can't see the land that you're supposed to get to. Um, even if it is on a flat day, it still might be way out there. Um, and the mere fact that every time you turn, all you're seeing is water or the boat or the kayaker. That's it, you know, and that's all that you're seeing for possibly the next three to four to five to 10 to 15 hours. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot to say, I can't, I don't know if I can take one more stroke. This is so boring, you know, <laughs> but you know, we keep stroking and, and you keep going. And before you know it, you start seeing that land or the you know, sunrise comes over the horizon or they're like telling you, so you are almost there. You're almost there. Look where you are. And suddenly you realize, oh my gosh, I did make it this far. This is incredible. This is yeah. absolutely incredible. So that's, that's my advice. Yeah, I can't count the number of times I've been in a, an event and been like, am I actually making progress? <laughs> like, like the question that you ask your crew, like, are we actually moving forward? Because because those landmarks, like, don't, when you're in the middle, out there in the middle, you don't, like, you just don't, nothing's really moving past you <laughs> at, at any exactly. speed unless you've got a current. So the other thing I talk to clients about is mental preparation, which I think Sylvia mentioned it. She was the one that kind of put a number on it. Like, I've always kind of meant like mental preparation has always been kind of a big thing for me. And especially after having kids and not being able to train as much as I used to, I started being like, well, I can't swim today, but I can imagine that I'm swimming. So doing visualization and like really mm-hmm. trying to visualize the finish I found, like the times Absolutely. I haven't finished a swim. It's, it's cause I pretty much had defeated myself, like kind of before I got in, I was like, why am I here? I don't know that I like, you know, you just get all in your head, it, no matter what, like you said, you're going to get in your head. But I tell my clients to write down their why, you know, write it down before you go, you know, before the race starts, be sure you've, you know, you like, if you can go to the finish, look at it, see what it's like, imagine yourself walking up on the beach and those kinds of things. They, like you said, it's, you know, it, it's a kind of mindfulness and, and, and knowing it's going to happen, I think too, is super important. You just got to know that you, you will face your demons likely. Oh, Evan Morrison made it, said it interesting in his interview. He said he, 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 he doesn't even let him like think he doesn't even like to think about things because he know it probably won't be positive. <laughs> that, that, that was interesting. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. Because you know, not... you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's going to be that thing where you're going to struggle, you know, I mean, we all have it. And, you know, I know a lot of people said it normally comes for me like hour number six. Well, for me, it came in about hour number two, you know, and, um, for everyone else, it's different. You know, some, it happens the minute that they jump in there um, and maybe they get past it. Maybe they don't, I don't know. But for all of us, it comes up. 
Yeah. And you're right, you know, um, the visualizations or you have these certain landmarks. One of them that I had was like, I got if, if I can make it the big Gina, which was eight miles away, I'll hang out those four more miles and I can see the shore. Now I'll have the motivation. Yeah. The problem was I was still about, um, about two or three miles away from big Gina. Um, and it was getting really bumpy and it wasn't in, you know, it wasn't slowing down. Later on, I found out that the, not the captain, but her co-captain who was supposed to be out there with her by law, he got seasick. And she said, he never gets seasick out here and he got seasick. So wow. she said, I don't know how you did. Um, but, you know, the, all these, you know, things, you know, can occur and, you know, people, like you said, you know, they're worried about marine life and, and all the rest of these things. And I mean, there's, there's, there's just a million things that go through your head. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of the challenge of, you know, marathon swimming, and I'm sure marathon, you know, running and biking or whatever it is and stuff like that, you know, any uh, endurance sport is going to have that because you have so much time on your hand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those thoughts, at least for me, creep in almost immediately. I said, oh, I said, you honestly think you're going to make this? Oh, come on now. Just get back in the boat. Go home. You know, you actually tried. So what? You know, big deal. But you have to push those aside and say, hey, listen, take a hike. I got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was all good talk. Let's turn a little positive. Now, where's your favorite place to swim? <laughs> favorite place to swim um santa monica uh, santa monica beach um there is a place especially that i love to go and swim and it's a place that has a plaque that is called the inkwell and the inkwell was a place back in then i think it started about 1905 1910 through up to roughly 19 the 1950s where african americans were allowed to go only within this two block radius to swim um, they weren't allowed to go any other section of Santa Monica Beach, just those, just those two block uh, radius. And there's a plaque there, and um, whites at the time called it the Inkwell because that's where all the quote-unquote darkies went to swim. But they embraced, uh, the African-American um, aquatic community there embraced that term and made it their own. And so a lot of swimmers would go out there, um, surfers would go out there. Nick Gabaldon, who's a legendary surfer back down in um, Los Angeles, who's um, African-American and uh, Latinx. He, he surfed there all the time. He was a local legend. Um, the old timers would all know about him. Um, and I would go down there and I'd swim from, you know, one period to the next, which is like a distance of three miles and back and forth. And I love down there, number one, because it's warm water. And I absolutely love getting past the uh, impact zone in the surf. That's one of my uh -huh. favorite things, diving underneath waves and seeing them going overhead and popping up and seeing if I can just like, you know, finally get going and say, oh, I got to dive back down and I'll go back down again. It's just so much fun. I absolutely love that. That's, that's without question my favorite thing. So anytime that you throw me out in the Pacific Ocean, I'm happy. I love that. I love that so much. I want to go swim with you in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be the one that will be like two miles behind you. Just saying, please, Shannon, slow down. Like, like you know, I'm talking 1.90 pace at the moment. <laughs> oh, it's so fun to swim with people, though. I love that. Um, what has the pandemic been for you? Um, like everyone else, it's been challenging. Um, I'm still working. Um, I work at a soup kitchen. And I feed about 300 or 350 people uh, a day. Um, six days a week, I'm there. Uh, today actually happens to be my day off. And, um, you know, so I'm 
if I'm not here, I'm there. And if I'm not at either place, I'm either riding my bike from here to there. Um, I haven't been able to go swimming um, just because I could go to aquatic park, but unfortunately, I don't have a car, so I can't get back to get warm enough in time. Mm. And I don't feel like lugging, you know, a gallon of, uh, you know, warm water with me, you know, in a milk jug and pouring it all over myself. I'm worried about my, you know, my valuables being stolen and that sort of thing. So unfortunately, I haven't been able to swim since before the pandemic. Ironically, I was in Kona doing, uh, doing an open water swim camp. Oh, cool. Um, for these uh, six uh, African-American women from uh, Georgia. And cool. so I was there for about a week, uh, right in the middle of when it first initially hit. And right when it got back, um, the Bay Area had instituted um, the shelter in place. So, you know, other than essential workers, which, you know, I was one of, you know, you had to stay home. But it's given me enough time to reflect, you know, on where we're at as a country, you know, our health, you know, our family, our friends, thinking about, you know, like you said, visualizing, you know, my own stroke, my own technique. Um, sometimes people send me videos of, uh, you know, of their swimming and as a coach and I'll start, you know, analyzing certain things and making suggestions, um, always giving them more encouragement than any kind of suggestion because I wanna make sure that I always emphasize the positive and just say, hey, here's an opportunity for improvement, you know, doing this or that or the other thing. And so uh, it would be nice if the pools could open, but unfortunately with this, you know, unfortunate new bump um, in cases, and especially here in California, they've essentially said that pools will not reopen in August, which is disappointing. But I am going to take 10 days off at the beginning of August. Uh, my wife and I are going to go up to this place in Northern California that is and she found this Airbnb, which is right next to uh, this lake. So I am going to overdose on swimming one day. Yay, I'm so excited. So I'm getting all my stuff ready, getting my goggles ready, getting my temple trainer and, and, uh, and everything. And I'll probably have to deal with, you know, the curses that I say when I'm going in the water that I haven't been in for a while because it's so cold and I'm absolutely probably just losing my mind. But it'll be worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It always feels better when you're done, but. <laughs> yeah, I agree more. Couldn't agree so, more. Tell me about this camp you were doing in Kona. I'm really curious about that. This was an open water swim camp that Total Immersion had arranged. They do them every year. And this one was specifically for these um, uh, triathletes from Atlanta, uh, these six African-American women that um, are, they do triathlons. And they wanted to improve on their open water swimming. So um, one of them had gone to a camp back in 2018 and she loved it so much that she encouraged her friends to go. And so I was asked by uh, Terry Laughlin, um, his wife, Alice, to be one of the people to uh, go to the camp. Because I'm a, I'm in a, you know, I'm a firm believer that people learn something when they see someone that looks like them um, teaching them. And I think it's important for when African-Americans are wanting to learn how to swim, um, that they have other African-Americans teaching them. It's, it's not that I'm against, you know, someone who's white uh, teaching someone how to swim. I'm all for that. Right. But there is a connection that I could have that someone else, like say, for instance, yourself couldn't have of saying, you know, when they're thinking, oh, well, I can't do this. It's, what are you talking about? You come from a long line of swimmer. Yeah. And, you know, some of the women at the camp said, what do you mean? I says, We've been swimming for thousands of years. Long before we came to this country, we were in open water. 
So we've been swimming open water for, I, I don't know, possibly, you know, three or 4,000 years before the time of Christ, as far as I know. <laughs> and so we, we are known open water swimmers. I said, yes, it was drowned out of us once we got here, you know, and certainly, you know, um, the Jim Crow laws and, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, economic inequalities and the disappearance of municipal pools in, um, you know, urban areas over the last 30 or so years has made it virtually impossible for us to get into the water. But I plan on changing that. And so I told them, I said, you know, look up your history and, and, and see that there's a lot of, you know, amazing people, you know, from our own community that, you know, have swum not only in open water, but also in the pool. And so I just started listing names for them. And they were just amazed when I talked about Charles Chapman, the first African-American to swim um, the English Channel. Um, Pauline Jackson, who attempted to be the one of the, she was one of the first people, actually she was in the first group that ever attempted to swim the Catalina Channel uh, back in 1927. Um, there's Maritza Carrera, who's a multi-Olympic uh, gold medalist. Obviously, Simone Manuel, Leah Neal, um, you know, just, just a whole host of people. Colin Jones, obviously, as we talked about earlier, Sabir Muhammad. Um, all these different people that, you know, are incredible swimmers and, you know, have been doing this since they were kids and stuff like that, which I'm envious of because I didn't learn as a kid. But um, that being said, you know, there are other people that are like me who are adult onset who are doing it. So, you know, one of my goals is to encourage people to just say, hey, listen, there are no limitations. This is, number one, a life skill that you need to learn. Um, it's the only sport, quote unquote, that if you do not learn it, you shall die. You know, there is a very good chance. Um, yeah. I don't have to worry about learning how to play football or basketball or baseball, hockey, anything else. You know, I fall into a body of water, whether it be in a pool or in a natural body of water, and I don't know what to do. It's going to be a very silent and painful death. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's a really cool. It's a really cool opportunity. You're super inspirational. I love that. I want to be able to help you, but I'm not in the wrong skin color. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I love I love good swimmers and good coaches and stuff like that. All are welcome. That's your darn. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about how your swimming techniques maybe evolved as you've built distance and things like that. Well, for me, um, it really I'm a big one on technique. You know. Um, I was taught these four um, tiers that I always try to remind myself. Um, people who don't know how to swim have conscious incompetence, meaning that they want to know how to swim, but they have no idea how to go about doing it. So eventually they learn how to swim, and that's when they reach um, conscious incompetence, meaning that when they're swimming, they know they're doing something wrong, but they're not exactly sure how to fix it. And then there comes conscious competence where, you know, you're swimming along and something goes wrong, you know, for like people like yourself and I who are coaches as well, where it says, up, I'm doing this and stuff like that. Or, you know, my lead hand is like pulling a little bit too early or, or this sort of thing, correct that. And you automatically, you know, because something else in your mechanics is going to go off. That's conscious competence. Conscious incompetence is the elite people, the super elite, you know, the ones who are bullet fast and all the rest of the stuff but who cannot for the life of me be able to teach someone like you or I how to swim. They know how to just automatically do it, but they can't explain it. Whereas people like you and I and others who focus on that technique can say, ah, oh, I, I, I see what's happening. It says you're swimming kind of flat. You need to rotate on your axis. You know, you need to be on your left or your right 
you know, when you're swimming. So you never swim flat. You don't want to swim like a barge. You want to swim like a catamaran. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, we can give people, you know, little ideas in their heads that are just everyday things that make them click. And I always tell people, just don't, you know, uh, have your, uh, your, you know, your, your recovery arm comes straight over your shoulder. I said, that kind of like slows the breakdown. I said, swing it around, swing it around like it's like a gate on a hinge. I said, that gives you more momentum to go forward. And, you know, it's just these little things that I tell people for they can try to click. And I used all these techniques when I was, you know, in Hawaii, uh, uh, teaching these women, just, you know, telling them this, telling them that. And all the while, especially when I told them, I would say the same thing. I said, wow, you're a lot further along when I, than I when I first started. Boy, I'll tell you that. I says, you, you don't want to see the video of how I looked when I first, oh, that was a train wreck, <laughs> you know. And, you know, I, I think that helps them to know that, number one, I was an adult onset swimmer, that I didn't know this until I was 43. And, you know, I stuck at it and I got to know it and I got to figure it out. And I really began to enjoy it. Um, for me, especially, and I don't know if you're the same way, I, I suspect that you probably are. When I do go to the pool sometimes, when I'm resting at the wall, sometimes I'll just drop my head down and I'll watch somebody else swimming next to me. And I might see them <laughs> swimming like this, you know, where their torso, you know, is high in the water, but, you know, their back end is down. I says, they're looking up like this. That's why their head, you know, that's why their uh, legs and hips are dropping. I said, oh, just look straight down and you'll be fine. Um, and all the rest of these, you know, just little things. I call it swim porn, you know. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's just like I'm sitting there just watching all the time, you know. And just, <laughs> just underneath the water and like, oh, yeah, uh, this is happening. I never say anything to the person because, you know, I don't feel it's my right to just say, oh. Exactly. By way, you know, you <laughs> yeah, by the way, um, But, you know, I can see these things. Just, okay, okay. Maybe I can kind of do it by example. Maybe if I just, you know, swam a lane, I swam a lane while they're just sitting here, maybe they'll look over and maybe they might ask me a question. Sometimes they do, oftentimes they don't. But my rule always is keep your mouth shut unless they ask you. So <laughs> yeah, for me, technique is probably the number one thing. And just always having that goal of swimming better this time in open water or in a pool, I said. This one was the best one yet. Um, uh, how do you think we can include more people in the sport? <laughs> include more people in the sport? That's a good question. That's actually a great question. Um, well, one of the things that, you know, I've always emphasized and um, actually, before I even answer that, are we talking, when we say the sport, are we talking about marathon swimming or are we talking about just, yeah. just in general? Let's, let's go with marathon swimming. I mean, I know that there's, I don't want to ignore the problems with access and everything of the sport, but I mean, let's just say marathon swimming. Great, great question. Yeah, um, you know, I think one of the things that we can do is, you know, talk with people who are doing a triathlon. Um, I have been talking to some and just saying, you know, have you ever considered just doing marathon swimming? You know, I said, kind of cheaper in the long run. You know, you don't have to worry about paying for shoes. You don't have to worry about, you know, dealing with a bike. You know, I said, uh, 
you're horizontal most of the time, you know, and, 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 and you get to see all this cool aquatic life and, and all the rest of this stuff. So uh, that's, where I, that's where I've been going and just telling them, I said, listen, you already made the Ironman distance. I says, tack on another four miles. Who cares? And stuff. They don't go by. Don't worry about it. So I, I try to come up with different reasons. And, and, um, but I think it's starting to be a little bit more inclusive. Um, you know, there are some people that are starting to do it. I think a lot more women are doing it as opposed to men. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm trying to get more guys out there. Um, it's, it really just means going to those communities and just encouraging people like to say, hey, listen, I'll take you out, you know, and we'll go out together and really just emphasizing just the joy of being out there in open water. Um, and just, you know, we both know how it is and stuff like that, you know, the feel the swell, you know, that you have when you're out in the ocean or to be in a crystal clear lake like Lake Tahoe. I mean, that's, that's a magical place. That's an absolutely magical place. Um, you know, it's, there's just nothing that can possibly compare it, that I can compare it to for myself period, just because I love swimming. But um, I think mainly the number one goal, I think overall to have more inclusion is to make them feel welcome. I think a lot don't feel welcome because no one's ever approached them to talk about it. You know, I mean, I have, you have, and some others have, but not a lot of people have. And I think that the ones who might want that inclusion aren't exactly sure how to start. Right. And I always say, just walk up to your friends and say, hey, listen, you know, I'll, I'll take you out, you know, I'll go with you. Um, and when you're ready, maybe we'll try, you know, a half a mile. When you're ready to try a mile, we'll try that. When you're ready to try a mile and a half or two miles, we'll do that. And I says, you'll be amazed at how fast you can progress over time. And I think it's just that welcoming nature. Um, I was fortunate that I had a woman who was very enthusiastic about me getting out there. And I met some amazing people at the South End Rowing Club who really helped me feel comfortable being there. Although I knew I was the only, at the time, African-American at the club, definitely the only African-American swimmer. A year later, my, my good friend, uh, Mina Roden, who is a very accomplished uh, marathon swimmer came. But, um, you know, for that first year, it was just me. Um, and even now, Mina and I always joke, says, you know what? Maybe it's best that you and I are the only ones here for that way we can have all the records to ourselves. <laughs> I can have all the male records and on occasions. You can have the first African-American and I can have the first African-American. <laughs> I say, we will have a monopoly. So, you know, that's, that's the exciting thing. But for me, my ultimate dream is to one day, you know, run into someone when I'm in my 60s or 70s and they say, hey, Najee, this person, this guy's, you know, he just swam, uh, you know, the Cook Strait. And I said, really? He says, yeah, and he's African-American. He says, yeah, but he's only the 45th African-American to do it. He, it's not like he was the first. You know, I, I want to be able to say that one day, you know, I mean, it will be an amazing accomplishment, you know, like when people say, oh, I swim the English Channel. Yeah, but you're number 1200 and something, you know, whereas at one point, you know, Charles Chapman is still, as far as I know, the only African-American to ever swim the English Channel, um, wow. you know, and I would like to see more out there doing it and making it happen. Um, to my best of my knowledge, Mike Johnson is the only one that did it on a relay, and he did it the same year that Charles did the solo. So, you know, I mean, the numbers aren't that high. I, I'd have to probably go back and look, but they're not that high. But I want to get to that point where it's, you know, not just me or Mina or someone else doing it. You know, there's just this long 
long list of people of different, you know, ethnicities and cultures and stuff that who Dundee swims. Um, you know, and of course, you know, cost is another prohibiting factor for all of us. You know, yeah. there's, it, you know, it is not cheap, but it can be done. And you can do stuff close to your home if you're near, you know, a certain body of water. Just say, hey, listen, you know, um, I'm trying to do this swim. I don't think anybody else has done it and stuff like that. All we need is to get an observer to sanction it. And, you know, we can make it happen. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to Britain. You don't have to necessarily go to New Zealand or to, you know, fly over to Hawaii or, you know, come down to my neck of the woods or, you know, down to Southern Cal. There are places near you, both in lakes, rivers, you know, um, other bodies of water where you can be the first um, to be able to pull that off. So hopefully that happens. Yep. There's a lot of water in our world. That's for sure. Absolutely. All right. We're, I could talk to you all day long. I have just two more questions and then maybe we'll just sure. have to have a redo because I can just keep talking to you. But um, what would be your advice for aspiring marathon swimmers? I would say that you should go ahead and, and, and definitely do it. I mean, it's, you know, I think all of us, when we first started swimming long distances, never thought we would be able to do it. It was just, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to be able to pull this off? Don't let, you know, like we spoke about earlier, that negativity starts seeping in even before you jump off the boat. Um, because there's, you know, there are so many people who have done this, who are right where you are, who had never done it before. And there are people who are like me, who are adult onset swimmers, who've done marathon swims before. There are people who have, you know, physical disabilities or who have survived cancer, who have done all these incredible things, you know, and yet still, jump in that water and make it happen. There is a community out there that is more than happy to help you. Um, I know you're one of them and stuff like that. I can always, you know, go free and give people my information. I'm more than happy to hook them up with people that they want, you know, to have available to help them, you know, get their start and, and just do it and just make it happen because, uh, you know, you'll never know if you can do it unless you try. Um, yeah. And that's what I love about this community is, you know, if you get with the right crew and that's, and obviously that's another big thing, you know, it can be either a wonderful experience or a horrible experience, depending on who's on that boat with you, you know, for you. And, um, you know, just get people that support you because you're going to need that, you know, because like we said before, there's going to be some times where it's going to be really trying and it's going to be really difficult. And, you know, it might be because of the conditions. It might be because of your own negative thought processes. Um, you might be battling, you know, some seasickness or there might be a pesky seal out there or what have you. I don't know what it is, but you need to have that support and understand that, you know, you can do this and you can make it happen. Yes, I love that. And the, the feeling of accomplishment is just so, so, so sweet, right? It's not something. <laughs> nothing, nothing replaces it. It's the greatest high I've ever had in my life. And I've been clean and sober for 35 years. <laughs> I love that. Um, who's been your, um, who have you looked up to marathon swimming? Who's kind of, uh, who have you been your model? The three people that have been my model are obviously Charles Chapman, who I personally know, um, who was the first person to swim the English channel. I was really honored to meet him and he stayed at my house for a while. And I did, um, a YouTube interview with him, um, well, over 10 years ago. And that was just a great experience listening to his story. Um, he's probably the first. And the second is uh, Amy Gupser, who was my crew chief on Anacapa, who has always been an absolute uh, wonderful support for me. 
constantly. Never a negative attitude, always positive. Is honest with you, won't be yes you. Um, if she feels you're not trying, she's going to let you know. If she feels that you're trying, she's going to let you know, but she'll do it in such a loving and compassionate way to get you motivated to keep going. And then the third is Kelly Preble, um, who was also on my crew. And she was with me from the beginning to the end when I first said, I want to try and swim in a company. You think that's a crazy idea? And she says, no, I think you can do it. And you know me, I says, I will not sugarcoat things. And she would get up at four o'clock in the morning, be in the water with me at 4.30, never complained about being out there with me or being in a kayak next to me while I was swimming. Um, always, always just right there by my side. Um, and, and there's just such a, a long list of people that I could name, like Mina Roden, um, you know, just a number of people, yourself um, and your buddy Todd, uh, you know, Sharice Sh uh, Gutierrez, everybody has been so giving of their time and their expertise. Um, so I look to all of you as my inspiration, as my heroes, and say, you know what, if they can do it, you know, there's no reason why I can't try it, so. Yeah, awesome, I love that. Thank you so much for, the, for your time today. It's so wonderful to talk to you. Oh, it's my honor, Shannon, it's my honor, my honor. And anytime that you need an observer out there with you, I'm always available. All right, definitely I'll let you know next time I'm in the Bay Area. <laughs> It's a date. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Najee. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual Efficient Swimming Basics program at intrepidwater.com. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.